Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. At the moment, this Saudi Golf League, we think at the moment, is dead in the water, although Greg Norman begs to differ. Brad Clifton is from Australian Golf Digest. He's on the line right now. Hello, Brad. G'day, boys. Hey, don't don't say too much about us left-handers, mate. We're oh, right. you're on, he's, he's on, he on the other side of the ball as well. Right, we stand on the right side of the ball. <laughs> the, as in correct. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> correct. Very, right. very correct, Brad. But at the moment, golf, the game of t- tradition, the, the, the time-honoured, the game, the RNA and the PGA... It's been long a game of four majors. Uh, the uh, as I said before the break, the the cat has been put among the pigeons with the Saudi Golf League. Uh, what what do you know about it, and where are we at? Well, we can always count on our uh, friend Greg Norman to strike up a headline, <laughs> can't we? It's certainly been a very topical, mate. It's uh, look, it's it's basically going to be thrown over to the lawyers at this stage. The way it's all heading, it's it all comes down to what is the definition of a independent contractor when it comes to professional golf. Um, Obviously, that's the the angle that Greg's pushing there. He's he's obviously been a big proponent of global expansion of golf for a long time. He, many will remember he tried to get the World Tour going back in 1994, unsuccessfully then. Many are sort of putting this down to him trying to get a bit of retribution on the PGA Tour now and trying to get it up and going. It's a Look, there's a lot of layers to it. Very sensitive issue. Obviously, the source of the money coming from Saudi Arabia, the bulk of it, um, that's obviously hasn't gone down too well, particularly in America. But there are positives to to a global expansion like this in a different league. Um, Greg's always said, you know, competition's great. It's great for the game. It's good. It doesn't matter what you do or what you play. Competition makes everything better. So, but he's really fighting a big battle here. He's uh, he had a lot of players allegedly signed and done NDA signed. They weren't allowed to talk about it. And then uh, our friend Phil Mickelson, as he mentioned, just went and basically <laughs> wrote the obituary for the whole league by uh, coming out and saying what he said on that podcast with Alan Shipnuck and. So at the moment, it's a bit of a stalemate. We're sort of sitting here waiting to see what the next steps are. Well, the Shark wrote a pretty forceful letter to the PGA Commissioner. And right at the end, he says, Commissioner, this is just the beginning. It is certainly not the end. And he's nothing if not determined, Greg Norman. But I just, you know, I, I just think they're probably too frightened off now. Tiger Woods, Rory, Bryson, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, Spieth, Johnson. There's a handful of the, that have now pledged allegiance to the PGA. There is. And look, and let's not forget, there's an awful lot of money available to these guys on the PGA Tour as it stands. So I think just players like Phil Mickelson think they're entitled to a lot more, which, look, he may well have a case there in terms of the player rights and image rights that the PGA Tour hold on to. They do make a billion dollars out of this stuff, and a lot of it doesn't actually go back to the players. And I guess that's where the dispute's at right now is what are the professional golfers entitled to? Um, but look, one thing that hasn't been mentioned about all this is that no one's really questioned what the league would offer in terms of an alternative. Everyone, I think, is just assuming that it may well be an alternative 72-hole stroke play tour event, which we see every day. Mm. But rumours had had it that it was actually going to be a teams event, like an F1-style sort of event with private owners. And, you know, God knows where that would go from there in terms of, you know, players they could potentially purchase, you know. Um, so it would offer up a completely different alternative in terms of a TV spectacle. So... It's, it's quite interesting. I don't think they've actually got that far to try and explain the ins and outs of it. I think they've just been, unfortunately, copped an absolute barrage of, uh, of media scrutiny, particularly in America, which is quite understandable. As we mentioned, the source of the money isn't very popular at all. Um, but in terms of what it could offer as a TV spectacle, particularly down here in Australia, we, we're really lacking tournament golf in, in Australia. And I think, 
you know, there was talk that potentially we may have been one of the beneficiaries of such a, a league to bring another couple of tournaments down under that would bring the big names um, and guaranteed big names, obviously, with guaranteed big purses. So it's a bit of a balancing act. People hate it. They either love it or they hate it. There's no real in-between here. Um, and, yeah, I think it's only going to get messier after Greg's letter yesterday. Yeah, I, I think so, Ray. And, and you just mentioned there, just get off topic a little bit, we did disappointed the Australian Open and, and tournaments like that didn't go ahead in, in this golfing season. Yeah, given the fact that internationals couldn't come in, but it would have been a really good opportunity to showcase the local talent. 100% it would have been, but I think there's a commercial reality here that a lot of the players in particular don't really understand, that it's not a cheap caper to, to run a golf tournament. It, it really isn't. And as much as we would have loved to have seen a lot more of action for the, for the younger guys, as you mentioned, the, the up-and-coming superstars, and we do have quite a few. Um, unfortunately, it's just a very expensive caper, and it's very difficult when the organisers, Golf Australia and whoever, have signed contracts with all the big sponsors, you know, with a guarantee of what they can deliver. And when yeah. you can't deliver that, it, it becomes a... You just can't go ahead with it, unfortunately. Um, look, hopefully, hopefully we're past the worst of this pandemic and we can see some big names come down under. I'd like to think, and I, and I say this gingerly, but I'd like to think that after all that's happened and what, and what Greg is trying to do here, that it may well end up being a positive for Australia anyway. You'd like to think potentially the PGA Tour will now look at this and go, yeah, you know what? We've probably neglected countries like Australia, Asia, anywhere around our area that really hasn't seen a lot of tournament golf in the last few years particularly. But, but beyond that, not getting the big names to Australia, this might well be a turning point for that. This might be the kick up the bum that they need. And hopefully we will see an a expanded tour in the PGA Tours uh, calendar down the track and maybe Australia will get that PGA Tour event that we've summed up, you know, we've been craving for years and years. So yeah. it'll be very interesting. Greg, Greg Way may well come out smelling like flowers out of this. Yeah, he, he may well do. And as he said in the back of the of the letter, this is only the start. Um, it, it's going to keep on going. It, it, you mentioned before, look, no one really knew what the sort of setup was going to be in the tournament setup. This is not a, 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 a league coming out sort of Peter Volandi style and going, we're going to put a, a tournament on the week of the Masters, and we're not going to go head to head with your your big majors. It was it was a it was a, a an independent group that were going to come in and go. Well, let's just see if we can fit around and and you know try and make the game of golf a little bit better. Absolutely, and I think one of the big misconceptions in all of it was that well, players by committing to an alternative league, they're going to sacrifice the majors. Well. The majors are Switzerland in all of this. They're, they're not run by the PGA Tour. The USPGA Championships, obviously the PGA of America. The Masters are their own. The RNA runs the Open. Mm-hmm. And the US Open's the USGA. Now, the USGA and, and USPGA obviously have links with the PGA Tour. They have a great relationship. But they're still not governed and sanctioned by the PGA Tour. So Greg's theory all along has been, well, why can't we get the best players just to break away from that tour for a while, play ours, and they can go back and play the majors. They still accumulate world ranking points. So... It's just it's it's just interesting how that side of the the argument hasn't hasn't really been explored and hasn't really been given any air to breathe in in a way. I, I find it fascinating as a as an Australian golf fan who's been starved of action for a long time. I mean, we've been so heavily reliant on our top four Aussie guys coming home every summer and trying to build a good field around that. But I mean, that just doesn't work anymore. These guys have no incentive to come home, and that's it's a sad reality. They just don't have to come home anymore. There's so much money over there in America now and that wraparound calendar has just killed killed the game down here in many senses. So I am I am a little bit surprised that it, they haven't explored what what actually is on offer and on the table here because as I said, the majors really they don't really come into account. But that's all going to be part of this big legal dispute that's coming ahead, I think, in terms of well, if they can 
ban players from the PGA Tour, can they then try and ban them from playing in the majors? Because that will be the ultimate game changer for, for everyone, I think. Brad, do you think it's a golf thing, and even at the local clubs here in Sydney and wherever, it's always been, oh, well, this is the way it's been. It, it, it's a, is it just a golf thing in general that they are, they, they are a little bit hesitant to change or, or, or to move with the times? I, I think so, yeah. There's no question we have become... I mean, there's an old phrase in golf, you're stale, male and pale. And that, that pretty much sums up the sport for a long time, right? And that's, that's yeah. reality. I mean, a lot of us will take offence to that who love the game and have been playing it for a long time. But the reality is we haven't been great in selling the sport to a new generation. We just haven't been great at it. Mm. And clubs, to their credit, are, are doing a lot better now. I think COVID has been yeah. a, a fantastic catalyst for that. I think we're seeing this new surge of interest in the game. It's never been stronger at club level. The equipment companies cannot make enough equipment right now. There is just so yeah. much interest in the game. It's all about making it affordable and accessible. And clubs are starting. I think the penny has dropped now. And, and the challenge for Australian golf, particularly now moving forward, is all about retention. How do we keep a, a large percentage of those new players that have come? Because they couldn't play football. They couldn't play soccer. All these yep. team sports just can't. And we've got all these great young kids playing now. So how do we keep a percentage of that moving forward is going to be the challenge. Yeah, it is indeed. Look, there's always a debate to be had over you know, PGA and the degree of control they have on players. But I just wonder if players, considering the amount of money they make, would get cold feet having been associated with this notion of Saudi sports washing. Let me ask you uh, this before we get to the break, Brad. Hannah Green, mm. uh, this is, I, I love this yeah. innovation and I know Adam Scott's big on it and I want to see more of it. Uh, dominant four-shot mm. victory in this. The first woman to win a 72-hole mixed gender tournament. Oh, I think this is wonderful. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely in the future. I think the Vic Open sort of set the precedent there with what they they do with the, the mixed gender tournaments. I think it's definitely the future of the game. It's, it certainly allows a lot more exposure for the women's game, which really has just been suffering from that for a long time. I mean, we have got some fantastic talent amongst those ranks. And to be able to have someone like Hannah, who in her own right is just an absolute superstar, major champion over there on the LPGA Tour, no surprise to, to those of us in the game that she's, she's doing what she's doing. And... Uh, I think, you know, it, it's kind of, I don't know, I, I find it a bit of a, a sad reflection that for, for the female sport of golf to get headlines in newspapers, it takes Hannah Green beating the men. Um, and, and that's, you know, as wonderful as achievement that is, it, it's a kind of a sad reflection of where the sport has been for a long time. And full credit to her. She's an absolute superstar and a great person. And I don't, I, I, I think the next stage now is seeing those sort of events sort of popping up everywhere on the international stage because people are watching and, and, that has obviously been a great reflection of the sport and what we're doing down here. Yeah, Brad, one quick one. Uh, lastly, Jeffrey Guan, another. He, Jeff goes to my daughter's school in Dever High, actually. I've teed it up with Jeff. He won the Adam Scott uh, Junior Tournament over in, in America and, and just blitz the field. Yeah, over in Los Angeles there. That was Adam Scott's first event uh, with his partnership with Uniqlo, uh, a, a world-ranking event. A lot of great young players, all the best players from around the world. And young Jeffrey just stepped up and beat him by eight shots, if you yeah. don't mind. Uh, look, we've, we've been keeping an eye on Jeff. He's a, he's a great young kid, great young talent. We've just had so many people tell us about how good he is. He, I mean, us in the media, we get a lot of tip-offs. Yep. You know, oh, you've got you to watch this kid or you've got to watch that kid. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah. And a lot of it's not really good oil. This kid, I'm telling you, is just a sensational player. He's, he's, he's a professional between the years already. Um, big, big future. But look, he's one of a handful that we've, we've got at that level. Um, it, it, again, goes back to what we're doing at grassroots now. I think we're starting to realise what works and what doesn't. Um, we've got great young you know, programs with Golf Australia, the elite academies that they're now developing. 
Jeffrey's obviously a byproduct of that and just a super player, mate. He's one to definitely keep an eye on for sure. Good on you, Brad. Brad Clifton from Australian Golf Digest. This is the Males Club.